podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. West Cork Beard Company make beard oil and beard balm for a strong, healthy, great-looking beard. Handmade from all natural ingredients in Clonakilty, West Cork. Check out their YouTube channel for beard care tips and advice. Or catch them online at westcorkbeardcompany.ie Good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of the same old Arsenal team talk episode number two. Uh, thank you all for watching last week and thank you all for your kind feedback. Some housekeeping to start with. Please, if you're all watching this, hello to everyone in the chat. Please like us. We're trying to grow the channel. We're trying to do stuff for you. We welcome all feedback. We're trying to bring technology into it over the next coming, well, season, throughout the season really. So please, if you do like us, then please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like the video and also um, our sponsors, West Cork Beer Company, please go and get yourself some beard oil if you've got a fantastic beard like myself or Graham. So uh, please spot, help our sponsors out. Uh, Graham Brooks, episode number two. How you doing, mate? How are you, Dan? I really enjoyed last week, mate. I think it went really well last week. I think we had something like 6,750 plus, which is pretty good because we didn't have the judge who's the star draw on the same old Arsenal, he? He's got his old fan club, hasn't he? He brings he has, the Hollywood... Mate. He brings Hollywood to the same old Arsenal, didn't he? So I thought we did really well last week. I really enjoyed it and uh, I really enjoyed meeting Emilio and uh, and a real privilege tonight to to have Dan on, uh, Dan of West Ham Fan TV, uh, who I haven't met in person, but I've watched a lot of the stuff he does. He's a top guy. Looking forward to tonight's show, Dan. Yeah, so it's, it's the first time, obviously, we get to, to, to uh, be on a video together. So cheers, mate, and uh, looking forward to it. Going to get into okay. it. Well, Daniel was on last season, so we thought we'd bring you back and drag you back. Um, last time, we it was a cheeky 1-0. And believe it or not, it was the last game that we played before we went in a lockdown was the West Ham. Well, it was the last game that I went to anyway. So there we go. So um, if I t- to be honest with you, mate, I'll take that result tomorrow, uh, tomorrow to be honest, if you 1-0 to the Arsenal. Um, before we get into that, we're going to got loads and loads and loads to talk about. Um, and we are going to, first of all, talk, Graham, about this man, um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. How important is it, Graham, that we have signed this guy? Because not just for this season, but for the future, I just think that we just cannot afford not to have signed him up. And it's great, fantastic news, isn't it? It's fantastic news, Dan, yeah. It's absolutely massive, mate. Uh, I think since we've moved to the Emirates, we, uh, we moved there really to compete with Europe's elite, didn't we? Uh, and we've witnessed top players leaving, not renewing contracts now, ever since we've been there. Henri and Fabregas went to Barcelona. Van Persie and Sanchez went to Man United. And even Ashley Cole uh, basically met in a hotel and basically buggered off to Chelsea uh, just before we went to the Emirates. So we've always lost top players. Uh, um, and when you're trying to compete with Europe's elite, which is the reason we moved to the Emirates, that's obviously something you're never going to do, is it? However, the fact that we've uh, managed now to tie down Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is, in my opinion, very, very significant, Dan. It's, uh, in my opinion, um, a platform for hope, a platform for change. Uh, His numbers in three years, mate, are exceptional, aren't they? 111 
games, 72 goals, 15 assists. Unbelievable numbers. Uh, and strikers of his ability do not come along every day of the week. So, in my opinion, to hold on to a player of that calibre, a world-class player, is not only pivotal to uh, Mikel Arteta's strategy moving forward, it's a change of direction for the club. It signifies a top player believing and committing to our club, which I think hopefully will attract top-class players to the club. So that, I think, was the significance of tying down Aubameyang this week then. Listen, I'm going to have to totally agree with you because as far as I'm concerned, Aubameyang wants to see ambition. He wants to see us moving forward. And I think that is key. But the other thing that's key is the boss because Mikel Arteta has sold him the dream. He sold him the project. And I totally believe in what Mikel Arteta and Edu were trying to do at Arsenal. They're both Arsenal men. And I think that's had a massive say in terms of Aubameyang signing. And I think he is by far our best player and definitely our most important. Before we move on from that, Dan, I just want to touch base with you about Aubameyang because last time we spoke, you said I'd love him in the West Ham side. I think most Premier League sides were just because of his of his goals. But as far as Arsenal were concerned, how, from your perspective, how important is it that we kept hold of him if we want to be trying to move places? Yeah, I mean, it was it was massive. I mean, because there, there was talk from last season about him potentially moving on and, and weighing up his options and and things like that. And you you can't replace a player like that easily. It, you, it's really irreplaceable. If you would have lost a Bamiyang, I can't think of someone in your, in, in world football that you could have just gone out and signed and replaced those goals. So they were, you know, those goals were really at that point, And it sounds mad, I'm going to say this, you know, but if you think about really, especially early on, that, those goals sort of kept you out of the relegation scrap. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, take, take those goals away. You might have been sucked, you know, you've been sucked in there. I mean, you might, you put the chances, you might have got that lift later on in the season. I'm not saying you would have got relegated, but you you would have been sucked in. So massive player. And again, big, big morale booster, you know, for the team, for the fans and everything. So, yeah, everyone's got to be jealous that you've got an Aubameyang, you know. We've signed, <laughs> we've, we've signed 50 strikers under Golden Sullivan. And like most of them can't even have double figures combined. Like really, so... Really, anyone in double figures. We're just terrible at signing strikers. So if we could have put in a Bamiyang, that would be nice. Yeah, man, we'll get into that. Trust me. We'll have, we, you'll have your chance to talk about your owners. That's for sure. After what's been happening. Yeah, that's it. Your chance to rant. But first of all, uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you to kick back and have a bit of a listen to Graham because what I'm going to do is ask Graham just to talk about how we set up against Fulham and what actually happened in terms of us taking three points. And what I'm going to do is just share the screen, Graham, uh, and the floor will be yours. We're just going to bring up the team that Arteta went for. We weren't too far off, Graham, to be fair. We were pretty much kind of Got kind them. of there, to be fair. Um, I don't know if you can see that, guys. There we go. So this was a team that we went with. Graham and I literally went for Saliba and for Ceballos. And apart from that, Elneny and, and uh, Gabriel, which pretty much spot on. So over to you, Graham. Where, where did you see us controlling this football match? And how did Arteta take three points here? Well, first of all, we got the formation right, Dan. We said he would go 3-4-3. Three, three. Mm. I was actually in the fish and chip shop on Saturday and you said it's going 4-2-3-1. I thought, oh, God, we got the first formation wrong. So, But it did, it did play out 3-4-3, three, three, didn't it? And uh, the two things that he did that we didn't uh, anticipate, I did say last week there was a, there was a rumour on the training ground that Elneny was further on than Sabias in fitness and Elneny yeah. might start, didn't I? But I put Sabias in because I thought he was his go-to man. But I wasn't surprised that Elneny started, but I was surprised about the Gabriel uh, coming into the team. Um, how Arteta explained that afterwards was 
that he didn't think that Saliba was quite um, ready yet in terms of he's still very young. They want to nurture him into the team. They don't want to bring him straight into the team. So he took a bit of a gamble there, didn't he, with Gabriel? Because Gabriel hasn't played football for six months. So, uh, but that, that was the, the, the formation that basically we said. It was a 3-4-3. The back three was holding Gabriel Tierney on the left. Then the wing backs, Bellerin and Maitland-Niles. I'll talk about Gabriel's numbers uh, later because I thought he was exceptional. Elneny and Jacko, who I thought were crucial to the performance in the way they held that double pivot, that pivot. Uh, and then we had uh, William, who I said would play on the right instead of Pepe, who I thought was absolutely uh, uh, superb. Tremendous, uh, wasn't he? Tremendous. Yeah, he, he was my man of the match, and I will share his numbers in the game. Uh, Lacazette, obviously, uh, uh, playing down the middle, and Aubameyang, obviously, on the left. And... Um, I don't think the game could have gone any better for us, really. Um, more easily, could it, really? Uh, three goals, three points, a clean sheet, a confident and assertive start, uh, Dan. Uh, 13 shots at goal in an away game, the most easily of any away game in 2020. That's the stat of the day for you. Uh, <laughs> but I think the result was never in doubt once uh, Lacazette scored. It was slightly against the run of play because Gabriel had that very awkward moment, didn't he, at the start, and Leno... There was a lot of pressure on Leno coming back in with Martinez going to uh, Aston Villa because uh, I think he was being looked at. Um, and to come in to do that really well, he did it, uh, at the start of the game, just reminded people why he was Arsenal's number one, settled the team down, settled him down as well. Uh, and I, I, actually thought was, I actually thought that was a poor ball from Maitland-Niles. A lot of people gave Gabriel yeah. a lot of stick for that, but the ball wasn't great, was it, from Maitland-Niles, to be fair? No, but I, I think there was a bit of a misunderstanding, though. Poor ball, yeah. but Gabriel... And Leno, bit of a misunderstanding there. Probably a language barrier, possibly. But Leno sorted it out. And so Fulham had started reasonably well, hadn't they? And then we scored the first goal. Um, a fantastic team play. Uh, and the moment that uh, Williams' shot was parried by the keeper and Lacker swooped to prod it home, uh, I think from then on, we were in control of that game. Uh, I think um, Fulham played that possession-based style, which I thought they would. But... Um, our structure was too good for them. They couldn't sort of like break us down. And then the second half unfolded and basically we uh, took over. Gabriel scored from a William corner. And then that fantastic uh, move, which you've now, I think we repeated that move now in about, I, I think I'm trying to think, I think it's in four of the last five games where we've switched it to a Bamiang who's, we get a numer numerical advantage on the left-hand side when he, he can either pass or cut in. And he sweetly times it into the corner and that sealed an emphatic win. So it was a comfortable win. I think there was a distinct style of play to the way we played last week, Dan. I think mm. the wing backs were given license to go in and inside or outside. I thought sometimes it was a back five switched to a back four. Occasionally Bellerin holding Gabriel Turney played as a four. But ultimately it was like five defending and five going forward a lot of the time as well. I think William played on the right wing, but he almost like played at 10 as well. He was given license to roam, um, particularly when Maitland-Niles tucked inside. And I thought what we also saw, which really impressed me, was our aggressive pressing off the ball from the front. Mm. And I was quite surprised when I looked at the numbers, Dan. Lacazette had most tackles in the game and Aubameyang equal most recoveries. Now, when you've got two, uh, an elite forward and a top striker working that after a team with that aggressive pressing from the front, that work rate, those non-negotiables that... Um, Arteta demands, sets the standard for the rest of the team. Uh, I, I did notice in our build-up phase, we talked about, me and you, about triangles, didn't we, on the right-hand side, on the left-hand side, the way we build up last week. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think what Arsenal did really well in that game is that they triggered Fulham to press high up the right side. Uh, and what that did, that pulled the number of Fulham players over to the right-hand side and then they switched it over to the left. And what happened was uh, um, Jacker would sort of sit in and Tierney would bomb forward from his left wing-back role to join Aubameyang. They created the space on the left-hand side a lot of time for their attacks. Uh, I think they did that really well. Um, so ultimately, uh, it was a, a, a wonderful start. Uh, the, the, the numbers of the two key players for us in the game, uh, Gabriel uh, on his debut, the 95% pass accuracy, five ball recoveries, three clearances, two out of two tackles, one, one shot, one goal. But I thought William was my man of the match because he offered vision and creativity, 96% pass accuracy, five ball recoveries, Three chances created, two assists, two shots. Uh, very impressive performance by William uh, on his debut. And I, I think you saw the qualities in his play that Arteta likes. I will give a shout out as well to Hector Ballerin, uh, Dan. I thought he was key to breaking the press and he was like a release valve a lot of the time for us. He had impressive numbers as well. 84.5% passing accuracy, seven progressive passes. And this is the key one for me. Ten progressive carries, carrying the ball forward. So I thought Bellerin really sort of getting back to uh, his best in this game. So overall, a comfortable start uh, and, and three good points. And we go into the West Ham game, I think, in a really good frame of mind. Uh, but I, don't take West Ham lightly. They've had a bad start. But, you know, uh, you know and, and I think West Ham, there's a lot of negativity around the club. But I'm not taking this fixture for granted, Dan. But last week, that was a fantastic start. And at the moment, we are FA Cup holders. Community Shield holders and top of the league. That's a great way to finish it, to be fair. And better late than never, we are finally joined by my main man, Manny. Manny, how you doing, man? How's it going, bruv? I'm good, man. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah, I can hear you, man. I know your Wi-Fi is terrible, but it's sounding all right at the moment. <laughs> how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. Apologies for the lateness, dude. I, I completely forgot about this, dude. My, my apologies, man. <laughs> it's all good man it's all good we're gl glad to have you Manny I want to bring you on on a, just two points before we go into the the kind of uh, West Ham game Graham did a bit of a run down there which I know you heard where you're in the background there and two players I want to talk about is our deputants and that's Willian and Gabriel now a lot of people were wondering why Willian didn't get man of the match and the reason that he mm. didn't really was quite was quite clear he was fantastic don't get me wrong however I gave Gabriel man of the match because it was his first game in six months a brilliant debut probably one of the most perfect debuts you can get in terms of a clean sheet and a goal. Um, what did you make of these two and how excited should we be, Manny? I thought those two brought qualities that we've been lacking for so long. In Gabriel, you had a defender who is not going to back away from the physical challenge. Um, he was rusty. Let's be real, he was rusty, but... You know, he got to he got up to the speed of the game really quickly. That one mistake, you know, that miscommunication with Leno, that was out of sight, out of mind when the game carried on. I thought he was aggressive. I thought he was quick. I thought his passing was crisp. And there's more to come from him in terms of, you know, what he can bring to this team in terms of his passing ability as well, which is one of the reasons why we bought him in the first place. But it's going to take some time, you know, for Gabriel for him to fully show us what he's all about. And in terms of Willian, I loved Willian's performance because it wasn't just focused on what he can do while he's on the ball. It was what he was doing to protect Bellerin. 
it was what he was doing, you know, chasing Kamara into, you know, close to our box to dispossess him. It was his energy. It was his willingness to pick up the ball and run. It was, you know, he was so tough to pick up because he wasn't just, you know, he wasn't just stuck to the right wing. He was like, no, I'm going to pop up here in the middle and sometimes I'm going to pop up deep and I'm going to go and help Bellerin and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to press. and I'm gonna... So he was willing to do these things that, you know, we've wanted from a Pepe for so long. That William performance is what we want from Pepe on a, on a weekly basis. And hopefully he was paying attention. But now I, those two bought us something different, something we've been lacking. And hopefully there is more to come. I'm excited for it. I'm very excited, man. And uh, listen, this for me was was something that I have not seen in a while was a commanding centre-half with, with kind of uh, aerial ability. I think we've been so used to the Socrates and the Mustafis of this world. It was nice to actually get a commanding centre half. And now we have Pablo Marie at six foot four, Saliba at six foot four, David Luiz at six foot two, and Gabriel at six foot three. You're looking there at some commanding centre halves with some height. They've some have got pace, they've got good positioning. So now it's finally looking like we have some defenders who we can move forward and be excited about. Um Dan. I'm going to bring you in, man, because let's talk about our opposition at the weekend. Because as far as I'm concerned, bro, there is a lot going on at the moment with West Ham. I'm going to get Graham. He's just gone off at the moment, but he's just coming back on now um, to go through the team that he believes is going to be our Arsenal. But we're going to talk West Ham before Graham does that, because what is happening at the moment in a brief nutshell at West Ham? And how are your fans feeling with an abysmal start at Newcastle, bro? Uh, a brief nutshell. I mean, the, the Newcastle situation, we all saw it happening. There was no movement really in the transfer window apart from us selling a very promising uh, young player. This is a player who we was all excited to see come back off loan after a great season at West Brom. Sold him against the players' wishes, the managers' wishes, the fans' wishes. So the atmosphere is terrible. It's not as it's never been as more toxic against the board as it is now. Went to the Newcastle game. Moyes just got it completely wrong. He played super defensive at home against Newcastle, playing Noble as a number 10, playing for now's out position on the left wing, dropping our most informed players from pre-season in Alaire and Anderson. Um, so confidence is at an all-time low. Now, we did play those players at Charlton in the Cup, and those are the players that should have played against Newcastle. And those players, Sean, you know, in terms of Alaire and Anderson getting some uh, goals. So it's just one of those things. It's... Na- <sighs> You, you think that we, like on paper, one says we have good players, we have good players, we have a good team on paper. But there's, for me, a lack of confidence in the manager to really, you know, pick, get the most out of that team and, and pick the right lineup. I mean, he, we did well post lockdown, but, you know, it's, it's just a different animal. So obviously, you guys are very happy with Arteta and, and, and just he's, he's a more sort of tactical awareness and, and ability to change things up. He's sort of like the opposite to David Moyes. Tactically, he's awful. Substitutions, he waits forever to make a substitution. He brought Addison on at the 88th minute against Newcastle, like where he's going to do nothing. He looked lively when he came on, but he's going to do nothing. So, yeah, it's like, it's honestly, it's it's not good. The only sliver of hope we're getting is all these trans, uh, takeover rumours. That's the only thing that's sort of keeping us, keeping us going. 
And what is it about your owners? Because I'm not going to lie, man. Moving to a stadium, promise to dream, is starting to ring some uh, alarm bells in me because this is exactly what happened to us at the Emirates with what happened with Arsenal. But what is it with your owners that is so frustrating, do you think? You've touched on a bit of it there, but what, what would you like to see happen? Would you like to see ambition to show they care, to show they connect with the fans? What is it? Yeah, I mean, it, this is the thing, like, it was the whole the whole PR stuff we had to move to the stadium. You pro- you guys probably heard similar stuff, but what's actually happened, I think, is slightly different to Arsenal in terms of just the unprofessionalism of how the club is run. It's really, we're not run like a proper football club. You know, like you guys will go and try and get like a Mislin tat or, you know, and they do, or someone like you know, director of football to run the club properly and put the right people in charge. Where they, David Sullivan is trying to do signings himself and trying to pick the team for the managers and things like that. Um, but to be told now we've got no money when we told we were told moving here would enable us to have more money, um, and the, it's it's a slap in the face. And the stadium, obviously, we've moved to is not a purpose built football stadium, you know, like whatever you think about the Emirates. At least it was built for football. Like, this is an athletic stadium that was built for the sheer purpose to not have football matches in it. Sebastian Coates said it. I don't want football in this stadium. I'm not building it in mind for football. And now we're in it. And this is our ground. So, there's just, it's so there is so, so much. Like, honestly, the list is huge from, like, their their kids influencing transfer, win, uh, transfer sign-ins and and things like that, and bad-mouthing players that still play for us. and It's just endless. And I think the Dean Garner thing was really the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. And now it's the point. There's nothing they can do now to win the fans. Up. Nothing they can do. It's Fair the point enough. of their return. Fair enough, Dan. I'm going to bring up your West Ham team in a minute. I'm going to ask you and Graham to go through it and dissect it a bit. But before I do that, Manny, I've got to bring you in there, man, because me and you talk a lot about how Arsenal are in terms of Kroenke and our owners. How does that make you feel listening to Dan there? And what have you got to say about the West Ham situation, mate? It's so similar. And I'm I'm local, you know what I mean, to, to West Ham. I'm, I'm not far away from West Ham, so I have, a, I have a soft spot for West Ham. So when I see what's going on with them, it is reminiscent to, to what we went through. But... I guess the difference is that the players are just not performing at any level at the minute. There, there is no cohesion within the team. There, there is there's, there, there's bags of talent in there, talent that's being wasted, talent that is not being unlocked. Management is all over the place. Ownership is all over the place. The thing is, Kroenke never speaks, you know, so we never know his true opinion. With the West Ham ownership, they speak, but it's nothing the fans want to hear. They have literally nothing to say and nothing they can do to repair the situation. The only way they can, if they want to try, is to leave the club. Mm. Is literally to leave the club. But like we've seen with these owners, like you've seen with, you know, with Blackpool, they don't care. They don't care and they never will care like the fans will. So to expect, you know, ownership and to expect management to understand how what fans are going through, they never will. They never will. Like, I feel for I feel for West Ham. We've we've been there. We're still there, I believe. So I feel I feel for them, man. It's horrible. I mean, with Cronky, I one thing I want to say with Cronky, like if I look at it, the the difference is, like you said, he's very hands off, right? But at least he is willing to just put the people in charge that need to be running it, right? I I think a lot of problems 
stemmed from with, at Arsenal with Arsene Wenger having like late in the late years so much power where the game had changed. He didn't want director of football in, to football to come in and all of this. I think later on, so it was everything was through Arsene Wenger. When he's gone, I feel like at least, and I'm not saying that Kroenke's like the perfect manager. I'm just saying the certain differences. At least they've tried to appoint the right people in the right positions and just let them get on with it. And they've tried to bring in certain players. Whereas with us, like. I would rather they were just like in another country, not really attending games, weren't really interested, and would just put some people in charge, you know. And and I think that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, we spent some money like under Pellegrini one season, but because we ain't got the right people in place, we're not spending it properly. And Sullivan always has to give have players that he tells the manager. Big Sam said this: you get gifts, and he's going, yeah, I've I've got them signing this player. You have them players that the manager don't even want. You know, and, and he just interferes and manager after manager, manager has said that. But yeah, that's the only thing with Kroenke. Um, there are times when, yeah, you think he should be he should be spending more because of how much money you bring in. But I think he does at least have a, you have a little bit of structure behind you, an organisation, I, I think now, which is... No, it took, it took some years to get there. That's yeah, the I was going to say, it did take a it while, took, but we're, we're hopefully there now. Yeah, it took, it took some years to get there. We, we had to go through, we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of crap, you know, with, <laughs> with, with Emery. We, we've had to deal with, you know, we've had to deal with the, the infight in between Raul and Sven. We've had to deal with, you know, all sorts of things. So it's one thing with Kroenke, he has no idea about football. So he puts people in charge who are supposed to know better. But they're supposed to know better, but then they end up as bad as we, you know, as we don't want them to be. That's the scary thing about it. If we had an owner who was actually clued in, he would understand beforehand that these aren't the people that I want at my club. This is the structure that I want. This is how I want my club to go forward. It just mm. seems that the people who are running the football side of it, you know, they're the ones who are, you know, they're the ones that are showing some kind of direction. Whereas Kroenke is like, yeah, I haven't got time to deal with this. So the direction is coming from, you know, Edu and Vina. It's not coming from the owner, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that's preferable though, because when an owner like I thinks they know know about football, they sometimes think they know more than the manager, and they get too involved. It's a, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? It's it's either they're too they're too disconnected or they're too connected. It's a, it's a it's a crazy one. But you see, you guys seem to be going in a in a right direction at the moment. Well, let's hope so, man. Let's hope so. It's, it's taken a while to get there, but I think fans are optimistic. Uh, Graham, I'm going to bring you and Dan in on this one because Dan's given me the team he thinks it's going to be. Okay, we're going to go to the West Ham team first, then we're going to go into the Arsenal team and how we think we can dissect that and, and beat um, and beat them, Graham. So I'm going to bring up this this now because this is apparently the team that Dan thinks that it should be and will be uh, tomorrow. Um, Dan, let's start with you. Why have you gone with this, mate? And what do you think this will do right. to try and get you the points that you need tomorrow now i will say this and i said this to dan when he messaged me it's like trying to predict what david moyes is gonna do <laughs> is like a nearly impossible task because he baffles me on a regular basis um so you would think that he shouldn't really continue with the same lineup he went with last week but there you go if you were like for me creswell should not be playing it should be masuaku but i think you'll play creswell um, he likes Creswell. Creswell is maybe a little bit more defensive than Masuaku, um, but he's not that great defensively either. But um, Fredericks on the right, I think he'll go with Fredericks over Ben Johnson because he is a little bit more experienced. Ben Johnson is quite young. Fredericks, 
that game you mentioned, Dan, when we you beat us one nil and we had a quite good showing. That was one of the best games I've ever seen Fredericks play because his pace to be able to run back and put in some tackles um, when we needed some last ditch tackles was crucial, and he did help stop a lot, quite a few goals. But his decision making lets him down. Obviously, Rice and Suchek, that is everything. Like both of those players are absolutely crucial. You take one out, we, we just you know, everything falls to pieces. Um, really, really key. And Suchek can get goals. You know, he's proven to be not just a defensive midfielder, but a defensive midfielder that can drive forward and get in the right place at the right time and bang some goals in. Um, and then Anderson, I think he has shown that he should be starting. I think every time he's been on the pitch since the season ended, he's shown he needs to be in there. And Moyes has played him in that number 10 role throughout preseason. Um, and against Charlton. So if he does start, it's going to be there. And I think that's because he doesn't have to worry about covering Creswell if he's in that central. He can just focus on getting forward more, um, creating chances, linking up with Antonio or Ale, whoever comes in. Um, Fernals is there. Fernals's work rate is incredible. So I think that's why he likes him on the left because he does track back a lot um, more so. So having him there, I think that's where he's going to play him. Bowen. Like Graham said, definitely one of our key players. Um, again, work rate is incredible. I think he's a, a player that's only going to get better the more time he spends in the uh, Premier League. And then we got, oh, we're talking about work rate again. Antonio runs himself into the ground. Um, unbelievable player, like really kept us up in that lockdown with the goals that he scored. And I think he is definitely someone, if he's on it, if he's fully fit, he is someone that will can cause Arsenal problems um, as long as he don't take any shots from outside the box because they always go. <laughs> well, he did. He did in before lockdown, Danny. He was the main man for you at the Emirates. He was dangerous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a very, very dangerous player. I mean, ask Tottenham. They know all about Antonio. <laughs> um, but it would be like I said, Ale, I think I would really like to see Ale play. I like an Antonio Ale combination. I don't think he'll play for it, play it. Um, the question marks, if Antonio's sort of remotely fit, I think Nasu Moyes will play because he's got that work rate. But I really want to see Alea show up tomorrow, even if it's off the bench. Oh, Fabianski, hey. obviously. You guys know about Fabianski. We do know about <laughs> Fabianski. And you know what? He's been a good signing for you, boys, I think, personally. He's done a good job. Uh, Graham, what's the first thing that comes to your head across when you look at that West Ham team, which we believe it may be similar to that tomorrow, Graham? Uh, I just question the first thing, and I said, said this to Dan uh, when we, before we came on air. I think Philip Anderson is a really good shout if he has the the balls to play him tomorrow. But I don't think he'll play him. I think he scored. I think he scored in midweek, uh, Dan, didn't he? he scored, uh, yeah. and uh, I can remember two years ago when we played him at the Emirates when Emery was manager. He was outstanding, running from deep, causes a lot of problems. I just don't think he's going to play Anderson tomorrow. I think. He'll be more defensive. Um, I think Dan said that Noble is possibly carrying a knock. That's why he hasn't got Noble in there. I, I, I think that formation that Dan's put up there is a bit attacking. I think in terms of uh, Anderson, looks like he's playing in almost like the number ten role. Uh, I think he'll he'll play like a four three three, which is a four five one out of possession. Mm. Uh, I think the two centre halves will play. I think that uh, I agree with Dan on the full backs. Uh, and Rice and uh, Suchek were playing in the middle. 
but if Noble's not fit, I don't know who will come in. I've just got this funny thing, he's not going to play Anderson. I think he will play Bowen and Fournells and Antonio, who's not a natural striker, but he offers him a physical threat uh, and a bit of pace. So I think he caused Pablo Mari a lot of trouble in the game when we played him before lockdown, didn't he, with his pace? Um, yeah. But when you look at that 11, I just don't think Anderson's going to be in it. I think I'll be worried if he was, because I think he would offer him a threat. I think Moyes is a very defensive manager, and I think he's going to set them up tomorrow uh, to defend. And I don't think he's going to be brave enough to play Anderson. So uh, I look at that team, and I think the threats there are, I think uh, Bowen is a threat. I think he's a Dan will know more about it than me, but I think he scored a lot of goals pre-season, didn't he, Dan? And uh, he's uh, a goal threat. And I think uh, when we see our team, I think Maitland-Niles will have a, a job to do on him tomorrow because what he does really well is he's uh, he plays on the right, but he gets onto his left foot and gets some shots away on his left foot. And I think Maitland-Niles, in the way that he showed Mares on the outside in the semi-final, will be tasked with stopping him coming in on that left foot. I think I look at their left side. I think Fournells and Cresswell. Uh, there's not a lot of pace there. I think Cresswell has passed his best. I think hasn't had a good last couple of seasons. I don't think he's going to play the other fullback, who, who Dan Seggs. I think he's a very good dribbler, but he's not very good defensively. Um, so, and he sees Cresswell as a more the better defender. But I don't think Cresswell's got a lot of pace. Fournells is not really a left winger, is he? As Dan said, he's more a number ten. So yeah. them down that side. That is an area I think we can target because I think there's not a lot of pace on that side. Is it Fournells and Cresswell? We'll have to take care of Bowen tomorrow and, and deal with Antonio's physical strength. Um, and I think they're centre-halves. I don't think they're centre-halves. I think uh, Ogbon are now the wrong side of 30, probably on the wane. And Diop, I don't think they're... You know, I, I used to like Diop, but I, I, whenever I've seen him lately, he hasn't been that impressive. So I, I, I look at them and I think... <laughs> I think the formation will be a four-three-three. I don't know who's going to play. If I think no, if Noble's fit, he'll play instead of Anderson in that eleven. Otherwise, I think I agree with the eleven. But if he's not fit, I don't know if Dan can say who else he would bring in if it wasn't yeah. Anderson. Well, uh, I say uh, you obviously made some good points there, Graham, especially about the defensiveness. I mean, this was it was part what I think it will play in part wishful thinking. Um, however, if he is going to play that, you know. Like you said, the three sort of three defensive, more defensive midfielders. We've got Suchek Rice because he sort of played Noble in that position, but he was playing more defensive. Um, we haven't really got anyone else like Noble apart from young Josh Cullen, who I don't know if Moyes will have the confidence to play him uh, in that position. So what he could do is, and this again just comes to Anderson playing, is put Anderson on the left. And Fernau's in the middle. So then you have a little bit of a stronger because Fernau's defensively, um he does that he does that defensive work. So he could put swap swap Anderson and Fernau's round and play Anderson there. It's not something that I'd like to see, but on because otherwise on the bench, I mean we've got Lanzini, who looked good in the Charlton game and has looked good in preseason, but I don't think he's gonna play him. Um, and I, I personally wouldn't play him tomorrow. Um, how 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 reliable is your source that uh, Mark Noble is unfit? Well, um, I, it's, it's it's coming from a lot of good sources and a lot of um, sort of really reliable accounts. And this is the thing that usually happens, right? Mark, they're saying he's got a toe injury. Now, I've always I always see it as whenever Mark Noble's got these minor little injuries, whenever it's old, it's usually when he's being dropped. 
And it's a way of saving face because we don't want to be seen to be dropping the captain, Mr. West Ham. So they usually come out and say like, oh, he's, he's, he's injured. And then that's an excuse. So we don't so, so not play him. So I think maybe because he really didn't have a great game against Newcastle, to be honest. Um, so I think that could be a little way to make him nine. So I really don't think he'll play tomorrow. I'd be surprised if he does. Um, so yeah, you could, this is, this is the way you could see Anderson. And it's just a question of who's going to be on which side. See, I, I, I look at your, the balance of your team and and Antonio's a striker. They're obviously got Bowen on the, on the right side. You can cut in on his left foot, uh, get shots away. Four nails is like a number 10 anyway, but you've got Suchek, right? Uh, he's a box to box midfielder, isn't he? He scores goals. He's very good in the air. He offers you that offensive threat going forward. So I don't think if you're going to Arsenal uh, with Antonio, Fornells, Suchek, Anderson and Bowen, that just strikes me as sort of offensively um, if in transition. We, uh, if we if lose a ball in transition, we would get more easily at your defence. Whereas I think he wants he wants to play like a 4-3-3, but he wants primarily out of possession it to be a, like a low block 4-5-1. Uh, and, mm. and that's why I think I think he'll I think Noble will probably play tomorrow. But if he doesn't, I just wondered if there's a defender he could bring in who can play a midfield. Is there anyone Dan in, in, who could come in and do that role? Um, no, I mean like the the only person is is Rice. He's he's the centre back who plays midfield now. He's traditionally a centre back and he plays there. So he is he he does that last ditch defensive work. Um, so we yeah. don't really have anyone else like that. Um, and Arnold Bonner, by the way, he was actually runner-up for player of the year last season it was only last season it was only rice that just pipped into it but he had a good season last season um and he's yeah. on a decent run of form yeah he's on the wrong side of 30 now though isn't he so but look I, I if anderson played i think that would give you a threat so i think if you come to defend in a 4-5-1 uh i th- i think that we'll you won't offer nothing going forward and what i can see is uh, Antonio will be isolated and you won't get runners up round him quick enough and we'll get the ball back and the pressure will keep coming back and ultimately we'll break you down. So you're probably, your 11 is probably, if you're a West Ham manager, got more faith mm. in you picking a side to win the game than David Moyes, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I would play Anderson tomorrow, you know, and, and to be honest, wasn't Anderson being linked to Arsenal, wasn't he, pre-season, Dan? Uh, yeah, I, I see yeah he was, yeah. So, really and and, and he, I think he's a very good player, but he's, he's inconsistent, isn't he? He's one of these sort of inconsistent players. But he's got tremendous ability. And I do remember two years ago, he was he did hurt us, so... But I think that that he, I think Dan's got ten and eleven there tomorrow. It's funny thing Anderson won't play. Mm. Fair enough. I think the Anderson link is because of the Brazilian link that we seem to be getting. Everybody that's Brazilian, we seem to be linked with. But one player you're talking about, free in midfield. Um, I'm going to go off on a tangent because it, it's, it's relevant, and I'm going to come back to it. I went to the Emirates in 2010 and watched Arsenal versus Barcelona, and I saw the best individual performance I've seen in years in an Arsenal shirt from a 19-year-old in Jack Wilshere. And for me, the reason it was the best individual performance wasn't just for the fact that he kept Xavi and Iniesta and Messi and all the others quiet. It was because he competed against Fabregas and Nasri as a 19-year-old and outshone them. Now, Jack Wilshere, for me, went to West Ham and had a chance to resurrect his career. Manny, let's start with you. <laughs> Jack Wilshere. Um, wow. Well, where do we start with this guy? And what has happened to his career since that night at the Emirates, do you think? Ah, injuries, dude. It's never been it's never been about, you know, ability with Jack Wilshere. It's been whether he can be fit enough to take the, you know, to take to the field. 
you know, it's uh, it's always, you know, niggles, you know, he started with his ankles and then, you know, knees. So he never fully had the opportunity to show the world what he's all about because whenever he would get a run of games, he would break down. So we had a lot of that, you know, with him, you know, with, with Diaby, you know, Van Persie was that way. You know, um, we had that issue with Eduardo, albeit, you know, Birmingham happened, but still after that injury was niggle upon niggle. So with, with Jack Wilshere, you would, at one point people were saying that, you know, he should have stayed at the club, you know, because he was playing well. But again, going to West Ham, I would have thought this is his opportunity to get a run of games, show people what he's all about and show people, listen, this is why I was so, you know, sought after in terms of and spoken about in terms of my talent but again his body has broken down again he hasn't had a run of games and again he's become an afterthought after you know that Barcelona performance that that performance is the only thing he could really hold on to and over the years that's just disappeared because we haven't seen him you know we literally haven't seen him I haven't seen him you know play for West Ham and this is a guy that we wanted to keep because we, you know, we thought he represented everything that we wanted to see in the playoff. So again, it's sad and it's tragic what has happened to Jack Wilshere's career. It really is. And Dan, uh, just before we move on to Arsenal's team, Jack Wilshere, it must have been a fairly exciting signing, I suppose. But there's been players like him, Daniel Sturridge, Adam Lallana. Believe it or not, Jack Wilshere's played more football than Adam Lallana. And he's just gone to Brighton and got injured yet again. So yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, Jack Wilshere, mate, just before we move on. Yeah, really, again, it was. I'm gutted it hasn't worked out for him. You know, I really wanted it to work out. He's got the West Ham links. Um, I heavily, really loved that Arsenal. He stayed, he played, I think... Um, before that season, when we signed him, he played quite a few games for Arsenal that, that season before. The season before we signed him, I remember rightly. And then even for Bournemouth, he played like 30 games or something before he got injured against Spurs. So he, he seemed to be staying fit. But and then we sign him and he's hardly been fit at all. No. He's hardly played any football. Um, all literally the only thing I remember him doing last season is jumping out of a tumble dryer at bloody the kit man. <laughs> um, like that's it. Um, and there's links of him going to America. He he posted something about on Dean Garner's Instagram saying, you know, good luck, bro. Go to a club that respects you. Um, which I can't I don't think went down well with the owners at all. Now we've heard that he's rolled his ankle and he's injured again. So I don't know. I mean, if you, you're going to bet on the, it being true, but then part of me thinks that is this, is he, is he on his way out? And that's why, you know, he's, he's, we're keeping him off. We're keeping him out. We're saying he's injured and we're not putting him in the squad because the way we squad is like, like Jack Wilshire would be perfect to play tomorrow. Like a fit Jack Wilshire in that role in front of Suchek and Rice would be perfect. But I think, yeah, I, I, I be surprised. We played in preseason a bit, but I'd be surprised if we see him playing uh, for West Ham competitively ever again. It's his last. I think it's his last year of his contract we're in as well. So sad. Very sad. Bags and bags of talent. Uh, Graham, we're going to move on to Arsenal itself now. Um, is there anything you want to say on Jack Wilshere before we move on, Graham? I just I love him as a player, um, and I'm really sad that his career has been blighted by injuries. So I think. Um, you know, I, I remember that performance against Barcelona that you talked about, Dan, and he was absolutely unbelievable at night. And, uh, I, you know, I love Jack as a person. He, he's an Arsenal man. I know he uh, went to West Ham, but I see him as, as as Arsenal through and through. And 
I've got good memories of the things he does he did for us, and I just think injuries have just taken their toll and uh, ruined his career, unfortunately. But I think uh, I'm just pleased that uh, you know I've got a lot of good memories of some really good performances from him for Arsenal, and I'm just gutted that it hasn't worked out at West Ham for him. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and I do wish him all the best if he does move on from West Ham. Graham, we're going to put the Arsenal team up that we believe it's going to be. Me and you have had a chat about this. Um, this is what we think the team will be. Uh, Graham, talk us through why you believe he's going to go with this. Obviously, the front three isn't going to change, but we have put in Bios and um, instead of El Nenny. So, Graham, over to you, mate. Yeah, I don't think the team's going to change much tomorrow. Um Obviously, when, uh, why break up a winning team? But the the the, the reason why I think Sabias uh, can come back in for Elneny is simply because um, obviously Sabias offers us that little bit of extra as a creator. Uh, I think Elneny hasn't done anything wrong. He, he he was really excellent last week at Fulham. He was excellent in the Community Shield. But obviously, Sabias is an upgrade. Uh, and I think also the Emirates pitch is quite large, so we're going to want someone who's going to if West Ham are sitting in. Two banks uh, of four, even a four-five-one. We're going to want someone who's going to be able to stretch the play and pick a pass through the lines. And I think he's better at that he's better at uh, sort of twisting and turning, getting the ball away quicker than Elneny. So I think he offers us more creativity, uh, either in a deep line role or or if Jack is sitting coming forward. Uh, so that's the only change I can see tomorrow in the team. Uh, I know Jack is doubtful, or he's certainly been carrying a knock. Uh, after the Fulham game last week, but I expect him to be fit to take his place. I think Maitland Niles is to be crucial in the way he handles Bowen, uh, keep Bowen on the outside, stop him cutting in on his left uh, onto his left foot and getting shots away. Uh, and I, I like the way, as I said, the, the way the team shape when William plays a, as a, a right winger on the right, but he, he literally plays uh, on the right uh, and drifts into a ten and goes yeah. very intelligently. He goes very intelligently down where. He sees a, a gap where a lane where he can move into and influence the play. So I don't see much change in the Arsenal team tomorrow. Um, and I think that would be the same formation, a 3-4-3. The only change I can see is Tobias coming in for Elneny in central midfield in the pivot. There's a lot of rumours about how Elneny's been given his chance. And I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if he did start tomorrow, just for the pure fact that Arteta bigged him up so much. And then to drop him, it would be quite odd, some would say. The front three, I don't see changing. There's rumours David Luiz may come back in because he's now in full training. And Saliba's playing in the under-23s tonight, so obviously he won't be playing tomorrow. Um, but, Graham, do you think that with Ceballos, that's what you would pick? Or do you think that is what Arteta will go with in terms of Ceballos? I think that's what Arteta will pick and that's what I will pick. Yeah, fair enough. Manny, I'm going to bring you in on um, your friend Mohamed Elneny because <laughs> he's had a good couple of games, to be <laughs> fair to him, in Liverpool and Fulham. I know you're not a massive fan of his creativity and that he's he's kind of not your favourite player, but what do you make of this Arsenal midfield at the moment? And then we'll go into some additions later on. Um, we all know the Arsenal midfield is lacking, you know, the proper ingredients to, you know, even challenge, you know, for the top four, let alone challenge for the title. I think El Nenny is, you know, he's your, he's your safe player. You know, he's not essentially going to create, he's going to keep it neat. He's going to run around, you know, that that's, that's about it with El Nenny. With the Arsenal midfield, you need more. You need, you know, somebody who's going to create, somebody who's going to get in those spaces that are going to make West Ham and other teams look the other way. 
you know, a player who is willing to get into, you know, positions and to break between the lines and to be that late runner into the box um, is really going to redefine our midfield. At the minute, we have a lot of players who do the same things, you know, so El Nenny picking up the ball and keeping it nice and neat and, you know, getting it from point A to point B is no different to, you know, what a Gwendouzi would do, you know. So our midfield, it is packed with players who all have the same attributes. We're waiting for that one signing to make to completely redefine our midfield, or maybe two to redefine our midfield. Until then, you know, we, we need to make it with the partnership of Xhaka and Ceballos because he helped us really well going into, you know, the back end of, you know, Project Restart. It was a balance that helped but you saw that Sabaos was doing a lot of the running around and a lot of the legwork because that's not what Shaka is all about. So, yeah, our midfield is very samey. It's just we're, we're waiting for those one or two signings to really redefine us in there. Yeah, can I, come in? Move... Can I, come, can I quickly come in there, Dan, just to take uh, uh, Manny up on that point. Uh, Sabaos, I don't think, is... Um, uh, he said uh, Sabaos runs around a lot. I think uh, Sabaos hasn't got a lot of, a lot of pace. Uh, and uh, so I... I think that's why, if you get him running around a lot, as he says, I don't think that's his strength at all. Uh, I, I think that I think Jack is more the aggressive one now in that partnership. Uh, Sabias is almost like the one who sits and looks to thread the balls through. I don't see him as someone who can. He, he's not very good at recoveries. He's not. He hasn't got a lot of pace. Jacko, obviously, we know he's not very mobile, Granite Jacko, but he is quite aggressive now in his positioning. Uh, and uh, I think he's working well in this new partnership in the instruction given to him by Arteta. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head in the terms of uh, the midfield is lacking. And I know uh, we got a, a question today, Dan, didn't we, from a guy? Yeah, I was just going to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Carles or yeah. Carles? C-A-L-L-E-S. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but it, it was a good question and it was one that I definitely want to move on to about our potential yeah. signings because I know that yeah. Thomas Party and Hossamawa has been linked for a very, very long time now. And if we do get these two players, Graham, how is our midfield going to set up? Who's going to miss out and what do you expect in this Arsenal team if come the 5th of October, both of those players are an Arsenal player? Well, first of all, uh, I hate to uh, put a down on it, uh, Dan. I don't <laughs> think we are going to get both players. Uh, okay. if, if we got both, if we got both players, I mean they are the ingredients to our per, to, to a perfect midfield, and we could switch to a four-three-three because uh, by then, yeah, Gabriel uh, would be up to you know, and Saliba uh, with a, a midfield enforcer in front of him like Thomas Party would be more solid uh, in a four, uh, and then you've got Uwa uh, uh, who basically, uh, you know, I just think he's a uh, he, he's Arteta's number one target. He's a fantastic player. Um, I think he can offer flexibility. He can play at eight. He can play at 10. He's got technical ability. He can dribble past players. Uh, he's got a vision. He can slide in our attacking forwards. Uh, but I think more crucially, he also offers defensive awareness uh, and, and the fact that he's able to recover his position quickly, which someone like Tobias can't. So in answer to the question, if it was a... Um, also, I think he could play in a two. Um I think at Leon, I was watching that performance against Man City when they yeah. knocked him out of the Champions League. And I think that really defined everything that he was about, not just attacking-wise, because he he basically was excellent defensively. I think he had something like eight ball recoveries in that game. He had four take-ons as well as four tackles, and he got that assist for their goal. So he is, for me, I can understand why Arteta wants him. And I think we're probably going to get him but not get Thomas Partey. If we got Partey and him, 
in a we could flip to a four three three then, and you've got like a defensive midfielder shielding the back four in party, and you've got a uh, OR who basically would be like the attacking midfielder with one of Jacker or Sabias sitting. I, I suspect it'd probably be Jacker. I think Sabias then might not get into the team, uh, but Sabias wants to play this year because you've got the um, is it the European Championships coming up next year or the World Cup? I can't. Yeah. Um, Euros, yeah. So, yeah, Euros. So he's not going to want to sit on the bench. So I think one of those would, would miss out if he went to a three. Uh, so that offers us, I think, the complete midfield because what we lack is we lack a, 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 a someone protecting the back four, which party, who is also a box-to-box midfielder as well, but he, he's physically strong, he's imposing, he's powerful, uh, and he can get up and down the pitch. He's tall, powerful. And, and then... Uh, 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 O.R. I've trouble saying his name, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we wouldn't have known. I've got to get that name right before, the, you know, if he comes, haven't I? But he is, I think, he offers Arteta flexibility. And I think that's why he's his number one target. And I think that's the player that I would like to see come if I had a, a choice out of the two. Fair enough. I think party is needed um, as the enforcer and the kind of box-to-box that we need with the presence and the power. Hassan Mawar is such a beautiful footballer from what I have seen. And it hasn't been too much of him, but you know when you just get that instant connection and that's what it was for me with Hassan Mawar. Um, I just think to myself, if we could get those two in, our midfield would be completely transformed and we would have a chance of cementing ourselves a top four finish and maybe going for that Europa League, which for me would be an extremely successful season. Manny, what's your what's your take on Hossamoa and Thomas Party? Would you like them both? And if we do get them, is this the kind of missing pieces to the to the puzzle, so to speak? Sorry, Dad, man, you kinda of caught up. What was the question? Hossamoa and Thomas Party are they the missing pieces to the puzzle in our midfield to push us where we need to be, mate? One hundred percent, bro. One hundred percent. They give us what we. Thomas Party gives us something that we've been crying out for for what seems like decades. You know, <laughs> so um, his attributes are what we are genuinely missing in terms of you know he's combative. You know, he, you know, sweeps up well, but he also gets that ball and he moves it on very quickly, you know, and he's like, he's the kind of player that you want when you are in the trenches, you know, when you're in a battle, when you're, you know, at a Sheffield United, when you need, when you need that aggressive midfielder, that's your man. With Ouar, you have somebody who is technically very, very sound, good with both feet, great first touch has a decent turn of pace and vision, which is what we are, again, attributes that we are lacking in that midfield. And something that we've lacked since, you know, Cazorla left, you know, somebody who is so comfortable on the ball, who knows his pass before he even gets the ball, who has his head on the swivel at all times. That's what he would bring to us if he came to this club. And I'm greedy. I want them both. I would (laughs) love to have them both. But we need to be realistic, you know, in, in, in our ambitions. It's either it's going to be one or the other. And if you were to ask me which one I would want, I'm not going to answer that question because, like I said, I'm greedy. I want them both. They will redefine what Arsenal is all about. And you get those two and we start to have a different type of conversation. 
I'm totally with you and I would like to see us both. And I'm looking at these players that we're rumoured to be leaving. You've got Martinez, who's gone to Villa. Kalasanak, who's actually linked with West Ham, Dan. I'm not sure. I think you'd probably rather have Cresswell, wouldn't you? Um, so he was linked with <laughs> he was linked with West Ham. Guendouzi, there's talks about. Torino going in for Torreira. We're looking at Callum Chambers now. Lucas was sniffing around him because they couldn't get we, Rob we were Holden. With Holden. You were linked with Holden on loan. Holden, that's Five right. But I think... I think Carter is talking about trying to keep hold of him because we've got about 20 million defenders down, but all of them are injured. <laughs> so I don't think we've got the ability to be letting our many out. But if we can't get that money, we're looking at around 90 to 100 million. And with the players that are rumoured to be leaving, it's going to be very difficult to get that amount. But we probably will have enough for one. I'm with Manny. I'm greedy and I want both 100%. Dan, from a West Ham point of view, before we start to towards the, wrap up towards the end of the show, if Arsenal get Hossam and Thomas Party, from a West Ham point of view, looking in, what does that mean for Arsenal Football Club moving forward? What are, should our achievements be if we get these two players? And or do you just think you can get them? You're still going to come sixth or fifth. Like where where, do, where is it? Where do you stand on this? Uh, do you know? I mean, the thing is, look when you when you look at transfers like this, and you look at players, and you you see how they perform at other clubs, and you think if we can just get those, like I've been burnt so many times. I've been burnt. I mean. <laughs> Thing. If we can get that player, that's the player we need. And once they come in, it's going to work. And for some some reason, I mean, I don't know. It's maybe it's me as a pessimistic West Ham fan, right? But it never for us, it never seems to work out. It might work out for you. It's always a gamble, isn't it? Like they could come in and they could hit the ground running. They could hit the Premier League running. Um, it's definitely a statement of intent. Um, really, you can then say Arteta has been backed. So I think if you do get these players the expectations from him need to rise. You know, yeah. just get just getting into Europa again and having a, a good cup run or win, maybe win another FA Cup, I don't think should be good enough because he has been back to then go and achieve that top four. Like, you really, for you guys, you want to at least be trying to, this season, get into Champions League this season, if you can get into that spot, and then next season, push on and then maybe try and get yourself in that in that title picture. You know, really, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, like everyone's making big signings and no one knows how it's going to pan out. Obviously, that um, quick, quickly on Chelsea, they signed that. Uh, what's it? That Havertz. Havertz. And he didn't. I mean, he made good, but he didn't. He didn't look good in the first game. Like you just don't know how it's going to pan out, which is the excitement. So but I don't want to put rain on your parade. Uh, these players. <laughs> I'm oh, sure I'm going to say they'll be brilliant. <laughs> I'm just Listen, a pessimistic Ham fan. I'm used to signing players that are great everywhere else and just come here and they're just awful. So. Oh. Bless you, mate. Bless you. Uh, we're going to go into some uh, predictions for tomorrow and try and concentrate on tomorrow's game now. Graham, let's start with you, bro. What are you going to go for tomorrow for a prediction? Well, before, before I put in the prediction, I, I was just thinking, sort of, we got the Leicester game next week, haven't we, as well? Uh, yeah. That, so, mm. I don't know if we... I think we're running out of time to talk to that. So. Rest your good players for Leicester. That's what I say. Rest all your best players for Leicester. You'll need much more for Leicester. So, on this game tomorrow, um, I, I'm going to go... I, th I think I'm... I'm going to go in Arsenal. I just don't think West Ham, and I hate, I love West Ham. You know what I mean? I, I think West Ham's a lovely club, uh, and I hate seeing them struggling like they are at the moment. Um, but I just, I think that they haven't got a lot offensively at the moment, um, and I just think defensively they've got problems as well. And I think we're in a good place. They are coming into this game in disarray. So that's probably the kiss of death, and West Ham will win one nil. But I, I, look, I, I think Arsenal will win it. Uh, 
just one other point before um, you move on. Uh, that right-hand side, uh, he's, uh, I've gone for William, but he, he has got options there as well, Pepe and, and Nelson. And I think that certainly the likes of Pepe and Aketia, Saka, uh, Willock, Cedric, even Ozil and Guendouzi will probably play against Leicester. So I think uh, he'll stick to that 11. I think that we'll dominate the ball, Dan, and I think we'll win it 3 nothing. I hope you're right, mate. I would love to take another 3-0. Uh, Manny, let's stick to Arsenal things, man, before we move to Dan. Manny, what's the score going to be tomorrow, man? What prediction are you going for, bruv? Uh, I'm going for 2-0. 2-0, a comfortable 2-0 win, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stick with Manny because I went for 2-0. I think it is going to be a 2-0. Um, I see us defending well, and I think we have to. But also, I think we have to take the chances that West Ham give us. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 Arsenal victory. Dan Lawless, <laughs> that sounds too good for a West Ham perspective, man. But what do you reckon? And what are you hoping for, mate, as well? Two questions there. What do you think the score will be and what will you take? Mm, I mean, obviously, my head is fully saying Arsenal win, right? What I'm hoping for, undoubtedly, is a West Ham win. I mean, because I had I had troops on, on our channel. And he was super, super confident. And if we win, it is going to be glorious. When I tell you it is going to be glorious, that I'm going to clip stuff up. It is going to go, you know, just because, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans are feeling that confident. And a lot of people are writing us off. Like, I'm I'm praying that we can win, just win this game. Take a take a 1-0 like, in the second minute and have a boring game. Just off shut of, up. Off of, like, Ogbonna's backside or something. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever it takes, just win. That's what I'm hoping. Head obviously win. Do you know what, Dan? When we when we played you at the Emirates, we struggled, didn't we? It was uh, it was yeah. th that yeah. game was settled by a VAR decision, wasn't it? Uh yeah. I, I, can't well, believe, wasn't. I can't believe we didn't win that game, let alone draw. I was And I, I can remember shocked. yeah, I can remember Antonio Dan having a couple of half chances, didn't they, in that game up up top. And Should when we played you at the London yeah. Yeah, West Ham played well that day, uh, and we were fortunate to win one nil. And um, it came down to a late VAR goal, and West Ham put in, a, I thought, a very good uh, assured performance that day. Uh, and as you said, Fredericks uh, was outstanding, wasn't he? And then when you we played you at the London Road Stadium, you led at half time one nil, didn't you? And, and we were struggling for a lot of that game as well. And then uh, we turned it around the second half. So, you know, I don't take West Ham lightly. Uh, I just think that West Ham are in a, in a bad place. But if West Ham got an early goal tomorrow, Dan. They got something to hold on to, and they defended well. It could be one of those days that you know you can see easy see that happening, can't you? But uh, you know we're all going to back our club, and uh, I just yeah. think that at the moment we're in a good place, and I think that uh, that we can build on that result last week. And I think we need to. We've got a hard run of fixtures coming up after this game, then. And it's the, the Emirates as well, like Arsenal. That is, you know, one place. But no fans, no fans, no fans though, Dan. Yeah, true, no fans. However, it's not known for the atmosphere. Let's be real. <laughs> um, if I can say it as you, had to get, you had to get that one in, mate, didn't you? You had to get that uh, one in. Yeah, I just had to say it. So really, it shouldn't. Like, being but, honest, that shouldn't have an effect. Dan, Dan, look, I, I used to love the bowling ground. It was, it, was one of, it was a fantastic ground, right, for atmosphere. Have you recreated that atmosphere at the London Road Stadium, uh, no, not particularly. Not particularly. You have pockets like it was hard with the first 
the first like couple of seasons because everyone was mixed up. So you had all the singing sections, people spread around. Now we've got started to get the, the people where we need to be. So, sometimes it's rocking, but it is a hard stadium to get an atmosphere going. I'll tell you that. Really Fair are. enough. I must admit, I, I went when it was at the Olympics. I actually watched the Olympics in the stadium, so I've not seen it as a football ground. But a lot of people have said it's a bit of a strange, a strange kind of scenario. But I think it's going to take time for you guys to make it your home, and I'm sure you will. Uh, Dan, I always ask this question uh, to wrap up. I asked you it last time, so I know your answer. I'm going to change it a bit. If you could sign any Arsenal player, um, who would you sign? You can't pick a Bamiyang because you had a Bamiyang last time. So who would you go for? Mm. Who, would improve, who would improve West Ham the most, do you think? Um, I I probably would say, I mean, I like Bellerin. Bellerin obviously has injury issues, but really we need fullbacks. Um, so I would either be looking at Tierney. Again, it's I hope hopefully, you know, hopefully his injury issues seem uh, behind him as well. I know there was sort of question marks on his fitness, but apparently he seems to be okay now. Um, so it'd be a toss-up between Tierney and Bellerin because we need a left-back even more so, I think, than a right-back. I would go Tierney. Great shout, mate. As Graham knows, he's one of my favourite players um, behind Aubameyang. I think, honestly, this guy is going to be such a good player for Arsenal. I really do believe that. Uh, Graham, let's ask you the same question. If you could pick a West Ham player to go into the Arsenal team, who would you pick, mate? Uh, probably Bobby Moore. <laughs> 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 no, um, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I like uh, that Czech international midfield, Suchek. I do think he's... Uh, uh, a really good box-to-box -box player. Uh, and I think he, West Ham done well to get him. He's a Czech international, isn't he? And uh, he scores goals. He's very good in the air. I think he'd be a danger tomorrow, set plays, wouldn't he? So, um, going to have to, in's going to have to, uh, and the defence, you know, is going to have to pick him up. Uh, I like the look of that player. And I must admit, if I could pick one out of that team, it would be him. Just interestingly, is, uh, I was just thinking, what about Snodgrass? Where's, what's the position with him at the moment, Dan? I'm not going to pick him, but... He um he hasn't hasn't played since February due to injury. He came back against uh Charlton in the week and he was brilliant. Like he had a really good game. And I tell you what, his delivery, if we if we if we if he did he might go, actually he might go with Snodgrass. Could he could, he could he could play on the left then and four nails could go into the middle that you talked about. Yeah, because the thing is his delivery is is the best in the team. So if you've got input in corners or free kicks, and then you've got Suchek. Ogbonna, mm. Diop, or Antonio attacking that ball, that is yeah. very dangerous. And I think that is a, a, a way that we could really get at you guys. That's, so that's my, West, that's, my, that's my West Ham lineup then, Dan. Snodgrass <laughs> on the left, Fordell's in the middle, uh, and that four, the, uh, uh, instead of Anderson. That, so that, you, that, you, talk me, you talk me into that, Dan. I think that's what <laughs> I'll go with tomorrow. If, if Snodgrass de delivers a cross into the box and Sujek heads it in, I'm going to be really paid off. You know that, don't you? Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> if, if people do, you know, any West Ham fans or, or anyone be watching my watch along tomorrow on our channel, I'll have my top off, I'll be swinging it around. Right, so that's that's, that's going to make people not want to come and watch. But <laughs> Let's just say that. What's his prediction then, Dan? He hasn't given us a prediction yet, has he? No, you haven't, Dan. You oh, haven't. You said, did I not you say wanted it? to go. No, you I wanted to go for a win, but that's a great shout. What do you reckon then? Oh. Put you on the spot, Dan. Jeez, I, do you know what? I, I, I just I feel like we'll score tomorrow. If I my head, if I'm a betting man, let let me just be real. Let me take heart out of it. If I'm gonna be real, and if I was to bet money, I'd probably go three-one Arsenal. 
That's what I would say. If okay. I had to go that way. Well, listen, Ed, I hope I hope you're I hope your head's right. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Manny Manny, let's bring you into this, man. Uh what would you do if you could, man? One West Ham player to sign. <laughs> uh, probably that <laughs> day is a day is a tough one. I'm not gonna lie, but it'll probably be four nails for me. Um, from what I've seen of him briefly at Villarreal and and West Ham, I like the look of him. So yeah, I would say I'd probably say four nails. Fair play, man. Fair play. I'm a fan, actually. I saw Villarreal. I saw him score a wonder goal as well, Villarreal. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's got potential. For me, it would just be Antonio because I think he's an absolute handful and he's one of a different dimension of a striker that I don't think we have. I just think he's horrible to play against and he's just, uh, yeah, complete and utter handful. So he's probably a different dimension striker that we have not got. And Haller, Haller is as well, to be fair, but I would probably go over Antonio because he's the form striker. Haller, nice Really, I just say this yeah, that has, yeah. because I think you know you can combine him with someone like an Abamyang or a Lacazette, and he's got he's got players that he can play off. He, so he's not asking to be just up front on his own, running around trying to carry the ball. He can have someone who can do some of that leg work and just be in the right place at the right time and stick the ball in the back of the net. You know, so yeah, that, you have. Yeah. You have got some players up there. Let's just hope they don't turn up tomorrow, Dan. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, boys, it is going to be an interesting game. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Manny, thanks so much for coming on, bro. I know that you uh, it was a bit last minute for you, mate. But thanks very much, Manny. Much appreciated, bro. And I hope you enjoyed it, mate. I appreciate you, dude, man. I'm hoping to be back again next week, dude. Appreciate that. Nah, it's good to see you as always, Manny. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, how can anyone follow you if they do want to over on West Ham Fan TV, bro? Yeah, obviously, West Ham Fan TV on all of the social platforms. If you want to follow me at personally, it's at The Lawless on the Twitters. And um, yeah, that's pre- pretty much it. Um, so like I said, we'll be doing a little, a little watch along tomorrow. Uh, so any Arsenal fans who probably want to see some West Ham fans swearing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's kicking off this time tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Back to back late ones for, for us because we have it at the same time like last week. So, yeah, it's going to be a night game. And um, yeah, I just pray we, we do it. Um, <laughs> I can see you are. You I'm are going to uh, your guys analysis next Friday of where it all went wrong. listen it'll be it'll be great if we could uh, be as confident as that and it does get to that stage uh thank you though dan top man for coming on much appreciated bro me again mate no worries anytime always welcome graham we've got there again episode two we've ended it mate it's been great it's been a real pleasure to be on again i've really enjoyed it tonight i think uh lovely bit of banter with dan as well Uh, i do hope that west ham have a good season i want west ham to stay up but I want them to get smashed tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? We said the same thing last week, and I think that may be something that we regularly say on this show. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat tonight. Um, over 350 of you at one point. Absolutely fantastic watching live. Really, really good. And uh, we will catch you all next time. Please like, subscribe, and we will see you on Monday evening. Up the Arsenal. Podcast Network.